So, so <laughs> to segue on, um, what are we celebrating? What are we celebrating for these 70 years? Well, the word service is a word that has come out um, many times as people have commentated um, and reflected on the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, that she has someone that has exemplified service to others. And generally, I think it's fair to say that the Queen is much loved. Wherever you might stand on the whole kind of royal Republican debate, put that to one side as a person and for what she's done, most people, I think, respect and love the Queen. And I think part of that is because she has given herself to others for such a long period of her life. Her life has been marked by a sense of service, not living for herself, but supporting others, whatever that might be, uh, particular causes or charities or countries. And whenever she arrives somewhere, she brings joy into people's lives. There's great celebration. And I think all of us want to do the same. Whether we're the Queen of Britain or whether we're the man on the street, we all want to make a difference in the lives of others. We all want people to look at our lives and say that is a life that is being given away to others rather than living lives with closed arms just for ourselves. Uh, I think of a, a young girl at our previous church. She was perhaps eight years old, and her mum had been diagnosed with advanced stages of cancer. And so she decided to cut her hair and to put it in a bag and to send it away to a leukaemia charity that it might be a suitable wig for children who had leukaemia. Her own experience of living with someone with cancer had brought out that compassion within her. Or I think of a woman who I know in her early 60s, and uh, she was someone who uh, was doing pretty well in her, her life, her family was doing well, she had a good job, a lovely house, nice car, lovely family, and she became uh, a Christian on an Alpha course, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she says that as she became a Christian, and the more that she was filled with the Holy Spirit, she had this new desire to um, help the poor. And she talked to her husband, who needed some persuading, but eventually they signed up to a charity where they give people who are homeless dinner, bed and breakfast. Uh, they host people for a couple of nights, once a fortnight. And then, not only that, but she started to run a night shelter uh, at our church once a month for those who are homeless in our local community. Or I think of a couple of teenagers who decided to embrace a different diet as a response to the climate crisis to live more sustainably. And they've started uh, a little group in their school to help the leadership of the school think about how they might be more sustainable uh, as a school. And they do that because they know that the climate crisis uh, impacts lives and most notably impacts those who are poorest in our world. And they wanted to do something about it. We all want to make a difference. Uh, or I think of a couple of our close friends who are in their 30s uh, and they've just gone up a step in the property ladder, they've uh, managed to get a bigger house uh, and they've just signed up to doing something that thousands of people in our country are doing at the moment and they've just welcomed uh, a couple of refugees from Ukraine who are going to be with them for six months to live in their home. Whoever we are and whatever our background, whether we're the Queen of England 
or the man on the street. We all want to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to use who we are and what's in our hands to bring hope and healing. And I wonder what might be on your heart today. Where do you long to see change? Maybe it's in your school or your workplace, in your community, in your family, in this nation, in the world. Is there an issue that's particularly on your heart at the moment where you long to see transformation and hope? Today is Pentecost when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And I'm just going to remind us of that Pentecost story, uh, Acts 2, 1 to 4. And it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, Luke writes, they were all together in one place. Jesus had told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. So they were all there in an upper room. They were waiting. And then we're told, verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we're doing this series at the moment, What Does the Holy Spirit Do? And I want to say firstly that the Holy Spirit is a person. We talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about some cold, invisible force, but we're talking about the third person of the Trinity, who comes to help us experience God's love for us in our hearts and empowers us, helps us to live a life of service to others, to give ourselves away to others, a life that is outward-looking, a life of love. The Spirit bridges the gap, if you like, between the sort of people that we want to be and the sort of people that we so often find that we are. And there are three marks of the Holy Spirit we see in this story. We see, firstly, wind. The Holy Spirit came as a mighty wind on that first community in that upper room in Jerusalem. And the word wind in the Old Testament in Hebrew is roach, and it's sometimes translated breath as well. It's a symbol of God's Spirit that runs throughout the Old Testament. And we might think back to Genesis 2 where God formed Adam out of the earth and then breathed. It's the same word there that would have the Spirit breathed into his nostrils and he came to life. The Spirit comes and brings us to life in new ways. We might think of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. We have his vision of the valley of dry bones. And God tells Ezekiel to prophesy over these bones. These bones are a symbol of God's people at the time. In other words, they were dead. They were needing reviving. And he raises up Ezekiel and says, prophesy over these bones. In fact, prophesy to the breath. And the story says that the breath of God comes as four winds. And there's a great rattling sound as these bones are filled with God's Spirit and they come back to life. So that's the first mark of the Spirit that we see in this Pentecost story. And then we see verse 3, fire, tongues of fire upon each person's head. And as we think back to the story of God's people, when has fire been a symbol of the Spirit? We might think of the burning bush, when Moses had that intense encounter with God. His presence came in the form of fire. We might think of Elijah 
and the prophets of Baal, when Elijah was uh, encouraged uh, or kind of um, teased, if you like, to, to prove that Yahweh was the living God, the real God, and Elijah builds this bonfire and chucks water over it and prays, and what happens? It comes on fire, a symbol of God's presence. So that's the second symbol, fire. And then thirdly, they spoke in other tongues. In other words, they could do now what they could not do before. They spoke in different languages which they hadn't learned. And it's a sign of the unity and the healing that the Spirit has come to bring in our world. Breaking down divisions of language and nation and people groups. The Spirit always comes to draw people together. There were people from every imaginable uh, nation and ethnicity gathered in Jerusalem for that Jewish festival of Pentecost. And suddenly they could all understand one another. And then what happens? Do the disciples just stay in that upper room? They have this experience of the Holy Spirit, an amazing experience, a beautiful experience, a powerful experience. Do they just then go home? No, they're propelled out onto the streets and they have this new power to make a difference. And we see them change in character that, we, uh, that is surprising to us. So we see Peter, who was perhaps a, a coward, we might think, at the crucifixion, has now got this incredible courage. And he preaches to the crowd that has gathered there, 3,000 people. And he tells them about Jesus and thousands of people come to faith. And we see a, a new community that's been formed, that reflects Jesus. A community that's about evangelism, as many come to faith, that welcomes signs and wonders, healings and miracles. A community that is marked by a radical inclusivity, a welcoming in of different ethnicities into one family. That would just be uh, remarkable for that time. Slave and slave owner being around the same table, Jew and Gentile coming together, a community set about to transform society. And then when Peter and James go off to the temple, they find someone who is lame, just sitting next to the temple, been there for many years, and they have this power to heal them, and then they have an opportunity to share Jesus again. And so there's this great propulsion from Jerusalem outward, from Pentecost outwards. And so Pentecost tells us that we are transformed by God so that we can then go and transform the world. We are loved by God, we experience God's love so that we can then go and love the world. And you know, it's, if we're honest, it's hard, isn't it, to live with that outward posture all the time in life, to, to live life not for uh, ourselves. I think of... Um, one event uh, that is kind of famous in our uh, marriage and our, our family that happened a few um, years ago, one summer. And um, I just finished uh, work, it was about five o'clock in the evening, and my wife Lydia was on nights, and it was a really hot day, and I'd been kind of thinking about it all afternoon. I thought, you know what, on my way home, I'm gonna go via Sainsbury's, I'm gonna get a nice can of San Pellegrino. You know, do you know those, those cans? And I'm gonna, I knew the exact flavour. I was gonna, gonna get a nice orange San Pellegrino, gonna be really refreshing, cold, looking forward to it all afternoon. Uh, and so I did that, I went and got my nice, my nice can of San Pellegrino, went home, and um, I was just kind of probably relaxing on the sofa, 
uh, the days before we had kids, and um, Lydia gets up um, after you know, being asleep to get ready for her uh, night shift. And she sees me sipping this wonderfully cool San Pellegrino, a very hot day. And she says, oh, you didn't think about getting me one. And uh, the truth is, the thought hadn't even crossed my mind. Uh, I was so preoccupied with what I wanted to do that I hadn't even thought about my own wife. And I suspect, actually, all of us can relate to that. We can all think of times when we have acted selfishly. I can think of times like that this week, if I'm honest. But the more that we're filled with the presence of Jesus, the more our hearts are changed and the more that we're able to love others. We have a new desire within us to love others. We have a new power within us to make a difference. I love the story of uh, Jackie Pullinger. Uh, It was uh, her her book, Chasing the Dragon, inspired me as a teenager, and her story inspires me today. And if you're not aware of that story, in the late 1960s, Jackie Pullinger believed that God wanted her to be a missionary. So she bought a ticket for a boat and asked God to tell her where to get off. And she ended up getting off in Hong Kong. She was only 22 years old and she had 100 Hong Kong dollars to her name with no job. She decided to set up a drug rehab centre in the unpoliced walled city and she's still there even today. They don't use medication, they just pray for people to come off heroin in the power of the Holy Spirit. And her rehab centre has been so successful that the programme is now endorsed by the Chinese government, who don't have a reputation of endorsing faith-based programmes, as you can imagine. But she is someone who is an obvious example of a person who's brought hope and healing into people's lives. And I love what she says. She says this, God wants to give us soft hearts and hard feet. But the trouble with most of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. And one of the promises that we have of the Holy Spirit when he comes from Ezekiel again is that we'll get a new heart. The Lord says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And that's what we see the first day of Pentecost, this radical change in this vulnerable, weak community that knew that they couldn't go on their own, but they needed to wait and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as I come in to land, the good news of Pentecost is that everybody can receive this gift. It is for all people. Uh, Before Pentecost, the Spirit came on particular people, for particular times, for particular tasks. And we might think of the famous Sunday school names in the Old Testament, of David, of Gideon, of Samson. But now the Spirit is here and available to be received by everyone, from uh, an eight-year-old girl who wants to make a difference in someone's life who's got leukaemia, to uh, a six-year-old woman wanting to uh, house homeless people. Whoever we are, whatever our background, we can all receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is what Peter says at the end of his talk on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then what? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all 
who are far off. Everybody gets to play in the life of the Spirit. Everybody is invited. And so I just want to ask a simple question. Will you receive that gift, whether it's for the first time, whether it's for the hundredth time? We're encouraged, Paul encourages us, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a present continuous, be filled again and again, so that we might know the love of God in our lives and live lives of love to others. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand together? And whoever we are, whatever our age or stage, we can all join in with this. And I just invite you to put a hand on your heart and just echo my words, just say in your own heart, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit.